أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على إمامنا وقدوتنا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر الله أكبر ولله الحمد All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The creator, the nourisher, the sustainer and the maker and the only one worthy of worship and the one who said وَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَةِ We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assistance and we seek His guidance subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the adverse consequences of our deeds and from the evils of our souls. Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who said, مَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ لَهُ فِي رِزْقِهِ وَيُنْسَأَ لَهُ فِي أَجَلِهِ فَلْيَصِلْ رَحِمَهُ Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. My dear mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How many attended yesterday's program? Put up your hands. High up. If it's half, then there was half attendance. MashaAllah. Somebody standing. Alhamdulillah. Barakallahu feekum for... Uh, returning today and for those who are new today Marhaban bikum We welcome you And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you And honor you for lending me an attentive ear And first and foremost your attendance Barakallahu feekum Now yesterday we discussed parenting 
goals, as it was titled. And we said we wanted to tweak that particular title to Parenting Responsibilities. And who can share with us some of the lessons that we discussed yesterday? Just titles. Just titles. No specifics. The specifics, inshallah, are for you to contemplate and revise at home. But just titles. Who's going to step up? Don't wait for somebody else to beat you. Who's going to put up their hand and participate? Were you here yesterday? No? Your first, first time here? Tayyip. We'll ask you tomorrow, inshallah. Tayyip. Naam. Tafadal akhil kareem. Visions. MashaAllah. That word, MashaAllah, has stuck. I don't know why. Is it because it's similar to television? Or, I don't know. Uh, but we weren't talking about televisions. We were talking about visions. And uh, MashaAllah, yes, definitely. We, we, we spoke about visions and, and we said as parents, you must have this for yourself and for your children because activity without a vision is just random activity. It's just random activity. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Who else can... Uh, share with us another responsibility that we shared. It was only yesterday. It's yes. Protecting the five entities of our children, mashallah. Uh, share us another lesson. Someone from the back. Somebody want to participate from the back? Yes, go ahead. University of life. But was that a. You got to elaborate on that. What did we say about the university of life in terms of yesterday's uh, lesson? Yes, and how does that tie in with the university of life? They should they should guide the children. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. Barakallah fiqh. Excellent, excellent. Anybody else? Understanding the nature of your children, mashallah. This is positive. And now we, we have reinforcement of knowledge when we revise like this. It's important. Part of the educational process is to uh, reinforce information. And alhamdulillah, this is a series. So why not? We, we are allowed to, to revise. Uh, and th- those who are going to watch it on video as well, it will be of benefit to them. Yes, uncle. Don't, do this or else. don't say don't do this or else. Mashallah. And you said it, uncle, like you experienced. <laughs> yes, so, so these are some of the lessons we, we took yesterday. And with regards to the university of life and teaching our children from experience, this is something taught to us also by the sharia. And there's a few points I wanted to share with you yesterday, but time ran out. And I said, may Allah bring us together to further our discussion with regards to some of the points I had. But I thought to myself, we rather make this session an answer to that dua we made yesterday. Because rather sooner than later, I don't know when I'll come to Sri Lanka again, to your wonderful city, and to meet all you wonderful people. So some of the things I wanted to share, or, or just on that point with regards to teaching our children from experience, this is nurtured within us by the Sharia. Because if we look at the Qur'an, for example, we see that the Qur'an or the surah of the Qur'an are named after, or many of the surah are named after historical events to teach us the importance of, of reading about history and learning from people who have experience, they've lived life, right? Learn from their history. We, in the Qur'an, we find Surah Al-Baqarah. This is named after a historical event, Surah Al-Kahf. It's named after a historical event. And like this, there are many surah in the Qur'an. 
right? So this teaches us the importance of the university of life as our young lad mentioned quite rightly. May Allah bless him. Ameen. There were two things that I wanted to share with you yesterday that I didn't get around to because of time restraints. One of them was this whole concept of production versus the producer of production. And I wanted to share this point under our, our discussion surrounding the importance of understanding the nature of your child, right? Because when you understand their nature, you can become an effective communicator to them. And being an effective communicator breeds better results, right? And, and we must bring this to the parental role. I'm not saying it's always the parent's fault, but many a time we point fingers to our children that they don't listen. And sometimes it's not that they don't listen, but it's the manner of our instruction that has affected production, right? So, uh, and this is something discussed by Stephen Covey in his books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I might tweak it here or there, or some of the information that I share. And you must read that book. I think it's good. It's a good book for you all to read. And uh, he talks about this producer of production versus production. And he, and, and he shares the example of a lawnmower, that a lawnmower cuts grass. So the production is the grass being cut. And the producer of production is the lawnmower, right? And if you have two extremes with your lawnmower, then you won't have effective grass cutting, right? So one extreme he describes is using the lawnmower but not servicing it. If you don't service the lawnmower, what's going to happen? Its efficiency in cutting grass is going to, is going to decrease, there'll be a decrease in efficiency. Why? Because the blades will start getting worn out and you're not oiling them and you're not changing them. So there's going to be an effect on efficiency. The production or quality of production is going to be affected when the producer of production is not looked after. Same thing like with a vehicle, with a computer and so on and so forth. The same concept. It's the same concept. We can, uh, the other extreme is we don't use the lawnmower at all. We leave it brand new, Right? So when, we, when, when that happens, the grass doesn't get cut at all, right? The ideal is to use the tool but service it so that you maintain the efficiency of production by looking after the ability of the producer of production. We can take this into the home as well. We can take this into the home. Depending on how we instruct our child to do something, that will determine the quality of them following that instruction. If you tell them, clean your room, for example, the efficiency of the room being cleaned depends on the efficiency and quality of the instruction to them to clean their room. If you instruct them in a way where they carry out the task with half a heart, they're doing it for the sake of doing it, it will get done. But how it gets done will be at a certain level. Right? But if you instruct them in a way that makes them want to do it, then the production will be done. And the level of efficiency of production will be higher. Right? So this is important. This is, many of the young audience here are looking at me with strained eyes, but don't worry. You'll hear this talk tomorrow, inshallah, when you're older and have your own children. This is for the parents here today because they, they work, they have companies, they know about production and producers of production and so on and so forth. So we're just trying to use the terminology that is palatable to them. Inshallah, as you grow up and, and, and better your vocabulary, you'll appreciate these, these terminologies. But in a nutshell, what we're saying is look after how you speak to people because the way you speak has an effect in the response. Has an effect in the response. If you're a father, for example, who sits with your child 
when they have issues and you help analyze the issues and you try and understand them and you make an, a proactive effort in understanding them. So for example, you might not understand why they like, for example, playing a certain sport or they like, for example, watching a certain play. Right? You can't understand it. But as a proactive parent, you made the effort to try to understand. So you went out with them to that play, for example. Right? And whilst you were at that play, they were with passion explaining to you certain elements of the play that you never ever thought of. And because now you saw how they passionately explained to you something, you actually understood the wisdoms behind why they like that particular activity or why they play that particular sport. Thus you became a more in-touch parent with your child. So for example, if you did that, tomorrow when you told them to clean their room, this is going to have, or how they receive your instruction is going to be totally different. Do you see where I'm getting at? Does this make sense? Right? Now, we can't paint every parent with the same brush. Of course not. Right? But I can just give you a, an example on the macro level that you can take and apply at the micro level, specific in your home and specific to your circumstances. But I hope this is clear. Inshallah. Right? So this is one of the points. Understand your children so you can have effective communication with them because if communicating with them effectively affects the efficiency of their response to you and their following of your instruction and their love for you and respect for you and so on and so forth. This is one thing. The other thing I wanted to share with you all, my dear parents, is, and this is the last thing, is that as part of your or as part of you being a responsible parent, ensure that you raise characters and not personalities. Ensure that you raise characters and not personalities. Right? Ensure that, what I mean is ensure that you raise people of substance and not shallow people. Right? And this is also discussed by Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits. He talks about how after World War I, the world suffered a, a fundamental shift, a paradigm shift in how they looked at things. After World War I, a poor person could be dressed like a rich man and you would look at him and you'd say, that's a rich man. And a rich man could be dressed as a, as a pauper, not a poor poor, a pauper, right? Do you know what a pauper is? And do you know what a poor poor is? A poor poor is the fruit that you eat. As a pauper, meaning a poor person, a destitute. He's rich, but he dressed like a destitute and immediately society will look at him and at the first glance say, that's a poor person. So we, we shallow, we judge people based on uh, shallow anomalies and we don't want that. We don't want that because Islam always taught us that we are people of substance. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ صُوَرِكُمْ وَلَا إِلَىٰ أَجْسَابِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at your appearances and doesn't look at your bodies, but He looks at your hearts and your deeds. You could be praying salah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not judge you based on the appearance of your salah. He will judge you based on the reality of that salah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at us based on substance. And this should nurture us to be people of substance. Right? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ Right? Remember that example yesterday where we brought the young man to the stage and we were talking about uh, the semantics of, of a sentence and how it makes the sentence more eloquent. Remember that? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't say that actions are judged by intentions. Rather he said, there's nothing about, there's nothing about your actions except that they will be judged based on the intentions. So intentions is the highlight with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And that is character. Your intention represents your character. Not your personality. Personality is what we show people. Character is what we, we really are as a person. Right? And shallow people never succeed. Remember the hypocrites in Medina? Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَهُمْ تُعْجِبُكَ أَجْسَامُهُمْ That when you look at them, you become amazed at their appearances, their bodies and dress code and appearances. But in terms of substance, they're zero. They have no belief. They have no belief. And will they get to Jannah based on what, how people perceive them? No. They will get to Jannah based on who they really were. So, raise characters, my dear parents. Raise characters. Make your children live for Allah and do everything for the sake of Allah. It shouldn't be to appease the masses and please my parents and please my family. And that is why don't force them in gatherings to get up and read in front of the gathering if they, even if, when they shy, for example. Because that's not good tarbiyah. If they shy to read and you force them, they're only reading for you or for that gathering. And that's not good tarbiyah. For tomorrow, what will happen? They will... You've planted the seed of reading for people. Rather, they should read only when they read for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they read for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is this clear, brothers and sisters? So there's certain things that we can plant in our, in our parenthood that really can or really will be the reason behind our child being a superstar with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not the personality superstar of the dunya, right? But I'm talking about superstar with Allah, a substantial superstar, an amazing human being, an asset to mankind. One person who is an entire community, like Ibrahim alayhi salam. He was one person in an entire community of shirk, with a king who thought he was Allah, Namrud. But Allah called him an ummah. Inna Ibrahim kana ummah. He was a nation. Imagine that. One man, but he was as good as a hundred thousand people, a million people, five million people, or however you define a nation to be. Right? One man was enough. He was a nation, given his tawheed, and his Islam and istislam, and his, his ability to submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what, or who we should endeavor to raise. So all power to you, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire goodness and allow these words to settle in our minds and hearts and grow into something substantial. Bidnillahi ta'ala. Bidnillahi ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. O servants of Allah and O children of Adam, Moving on to today's topic, I want to intro it saying something that we know but must be reminded to. And that is that Rasulullah was not sent except as a mercy. As a mercy to, to mankind. Allah says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ that you are not sent except as a mercy to mankind. Except as a mercy to mankind. And if Rasulullah was a mercy to mankind, then this denotes that he indeed taught us everything. Because that's from being merciful. He taught us what we wanted to know, and he taught us what we needed to know. Right? And for our young people in the audience, this is what our parents do. They also teach us what we need to know. Sometimes your friend tells you, hey, you're looking smart. And your father and mother will say, hey, you know, you're looking a bit... I don't know, what do you think? What do they say? Right? 
Mashallah, everyone's giggling and smiling, right? That's because your friend will tell you what you want to know. But your parents tell you what you need to know. That's why we need to understand also, based on this, that our parents are a mercy upon us. They are a mercy upon us. They love us more than anyone could love us. They love us more than anyone could love us. So if, whenever they tell us something that might seem a bit sour, make it sweet. Make it sweet with your knowledge that they're talking from experience and they love us. They love us. They want to see our progress. They really do want to see our progress. So Rasulullah wasallam was a mercy to mankind. And this means that he taught us everything. He taught us everything. And this necessitates our belief that there was nothing good except that he taught it to us. And he encouraged us towards it. And there was nothing evil except that he warned us against it. And he discouraged us from it. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they bore witness to this phenomenon that I'm describing to you right now. For Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, he was once visited by an idolater. And this idolater said, are you saying that your Prophet taught you everything? And Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu said, yes, everything. There was nothing good except that he taught it to us. And there was nothing bad except that he warned us against it. There was no stone left unturned. This person said, or it was said, even how we relieve ourselves and the adab and etiquettes and mannerisms of it, may Allah honor you all, even this was taught to us. Subhana rabbi ala'ala. Subhana rabbi ala'ala. And understand how Islam is a way of life. Right? Right? Understand this. And inshallah we will elaborate on this in tomorrow's talk uh, regarding uh, fitting faith into a busy schedule or busy life. Understand how Islam is an entire way of life. And it is with this that we should understand that even with regards to this topic of maintaining bonds of kinship, the Sharia has indeed taught us magnanimous lessons pertaining to this topic. Somebody might say, but hold on a second. The Sharia has more important fish to fry. And that's an appropriate statement, English statement for Sri Lanka, because mashallah, it's a sea, it's a fish, a fish country. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? You guys are from Sri Lanka or from where? You don't even know? Should I tell you the answer? Right or wrong? Right. Right. Alhamdulillah. Just making sure the hearts are beating. And we have substantial people sitting in front of us, not personalities. So, somebody might say that the Sharia has, quote unquote, bigger fish to fry. Right? Like worship of Allah and governance and so on and so forth. Are we saying that even how we are with our family members, the Sharia has taught us this? And the answer is yes, it has. And inshallah, this will be made manifest today. Bidnillahi ta'ala. Now, maintaining bonds of kinship, it's a mashallah, beautiful title to the brothers who arranged this uh, event. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them. A beautiful title. And it's a translation of the term Silat al-Arham. In the Arabic language, this is called Silat al-Arham. Silat al-Arham. And al-Arham is the plural of the Arabic word Rahim. Rahim, right? And this term refers to 
your relatives that are connected to you through lineage. And rahim refers to the womb. Refers to the womb. So it refers to those relatives that are connected to you through relatives that are connected to you through lineage. And according to the correct opinion, irrespective of whether they inherit from you or not. Irrespective of whether they inherit from you or not. And there's a range of, of views uh, with the scholars uh, regarding who are uh, the Sulatul Arham that the Sharia talks about. The relatives that we must maintain these bonds of kinship. The scholars have several views about this and this is very well discussed in the books of fiqh. In the books of fiqh. And the correct opinion is that it is not specific to those that inherit from us or those that we inherit from as well. Although we could say that it's inclusive of all relatives and those that inherit from us and we inherit from, they have a, within the sphere of maintaining relations, they have a slightly higher right. A slightly higher right. We could say that. We could say that to join between the views of the scholars and the evidences that they used. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, some of the scholars said, with regards to relatives, because we said those relatives that are connected to us through lineage, through lineage. Some of the scholars said that with regards to those who are connected to us through lineage, then it refers to those who we cannot marry, those who are considered mahrams. This is what they said. This is what they said. And others said, and this is the correct view, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, that this concept of maintaining relations refers to your relatives that are connected to you through lineage that the norm has cited as people that you have to maintain relations with or you have to look after. The norm. The norm. So it's not specific to the mahrams who are related to us. No. Rather, everyone who's related to us that our society deems it appropriate to maintain relations with them. That society considers it a defect and a taboo and an aib if we do not maintain relationships with them. Is this clear? And this is the preferred view. Why? Because the sharia commanded us to maintain family relations. But in terms of the specifics, in terms of counting who exactly, the sharia didn't do that. And the scholars of usul al-fiqh they say that when an instruction comes in the sharia and is left general, then it has to be explained. And if it's not explained via preliminary or via the preliminary methodology as cited by the scholars of usul, then we have uh, the methodology of using the urf or the custom or the norm. Right? So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَاشِرُهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ That be with your wives in a way that is known. In a way that is known. So the scholar said, we describe this word using the norm of the society. Right? Live with them in a way that is known. Right? So if the norm of the society, for example, uh, teaches us that from being good to your wives is, for example, uh, cooking them a meal twice a week, for example, then this would fall under the remit of this ayah. The males are smiling. I'm, I'm sure that's because nobody's cooking for their wives. But let's say this hypothetically, right? If it did, then we would say that this falls under the remit of this particular ayah because the explanation of the ayah, Allah has said, explain this ayah based on the 
based on the norm. And this is true because the Sharia never came to cancel out our norms. The Sharia came to trim our norms. It came to tweak our norms and make those norms conducive to our lives in this world and the hereafter. So in a nutshell, in a nutshell, our relatives that the Sharia has told us to maintain relationships with refers to all relatives who are connected to us through lineage, that through lineage, this is a point, all relatives circle that. Through lineage, circle that. That our norm has cited as people that we should maintain relations with. Is that clear? The norm circle that as well. So there's three points that we've highlighted here. I don't see my, my friend in the green shirt today. He's not highlighting himself in the crowd. There's three points that we want to highlight here. Number one, all. Number two, relatives. Number three, that the society has cited as those that we must maintain relations with. Is that clear? Is that clear? Is that clear? In, in pure English. Is that clear? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. If it's not, say it's not and we'll repeat because my job is to teach. Right? And I have to do my job. If it's not clear, I will repeat. It's your right that I repeat. Who didn't understand what I just said? Because it's important that we go home with substantial information, not shallow information. Where we attended a talk and this is what he spoke about, but I still remain the same because I didn't understand the impact of the talk. Who didn't understand? Raise your hands. For the sake of Allah, don't be shy. Don't, don't think somebody will say, I'm slow. No, you slow if you don't raise your hands. Taib. What didn't you understand? Which particular point do you want me to elaborate on? On everything? Or the definition? The definition, okay. So we define family or the, the kinship that we need to maintain or the bonds of that kinship that we, we need to maintain refer to our relatives, relatives that are connected to us through lineage, through lineage. That the norm has cited as people that we should look after. Right? The norm has cited as people we should look after or the, cited that our relationship with them should be looked after. Is that clear? 